Hey, welcome to the Central Westland Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for downloading and thank you for listening. We hope that today you find God's Word to be encouraging, challenging, and inspiring your life today. We would love to connect with you through our Facebook page and Instagram page. All you got to do is look on Facebook or Instagram and search for Central Westland Church. Please know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. Last night, Callie and I went to a wedding. The wedding was for Callie's sister's husband's sister. Does that make sense? My Callie's sister's husband's sister. Got married last night. Uh, got married outside. Um, I was not aware of the weather change last night, so I had on shorts and um, some thin shoes and a little shirt and about froze. Um, following the wedding, they had the reception in a barn. It was at this, this guy's house. It was at a family member's house. Had a re- redone barn. Looked sweet. Had it decorated in there. Looked nice. Two-story barn. Had a food truck there for the reception for the food. Amazing. Um, so Kelly and I left uh, a little after 8 last night and got home a little after 9. We heard uh, about 9.30 that the barn that we were just in caught on fire and completely burned down last night. So thankfully, thankfully, everybody got out. All the, the uh, older family members that were there, they all got out. The kids that were there, everybody got out. So everybody was safe as could be, thankfully. Uh, but this family lost a big part of their, of their life uh, they have had, had in, their, in their family for years and years. And they have spent time and effort and money to redo and to set up. So uh, let's pray for them. Their last name's LaRue. So if you could pray for them uh, over the next couple of weeks, it'd be amazing. But we are thankful um, that everybody got out. Um, so there's no injuries or anything worse that, that we can, we are praying for today. So let's have another prayer together. If you have a prayer request this morning, can you just raise your hand so we can pray for you? Anybody at all? I see you here. I see you there. Robert in the back. Tisha, I see you. Andy right there. So uh, you saw those that were raised their hand. Let's pray for them this week, and let's say a quick prayer together. Lord, we, again, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for you being who you are and what you have done for us. And God, we pray today. We pray today for those of us here that have heavy hearts, for those of us here that have some worries, that has some decisions, that has some, some things coming up. God, I pray that you would move in our lives. God, I pray that where hope is needed, you would give hope. I pray that where peace is needed, you would give the peace that you offer, which your word says passes all understanding and is nowhere near anything that we can imagine of what peace is. God, where healing needs to happen, I pray that you will heal. God, where direction needs to happen, I pray that you will lead. God, I pray that your will will be done in our lives today. God, we come confessing that we need your help, that we can't do it on our own. If many of you are like me, you tried to do it on your own several times and you failed. So God, we know today that we need you, that you are more than enough for us today. God, we love you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
All right, y'all, let's get to some good stuff here. Two weeks ago, we started talking about the church. We talked about, talk, talk, started talking about the church as a whole. Uh, we had talked about Easter, following Easter week. We talked, obviously, about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Following the resurrection, we see the birth of the church in Acts chapter 2. We talked about that two weeks ago. We see in Acts chapter 2, um, Jesus told the disciples to stay put the Comforter is coming, the Holy Spirit is coming, your Advocate is coming, and then what they did is they stayed in Jerusalem. They were all fearful, scared for their lives because the Jesus that they, that they followed was crucified, he was lived again, and now he had ascended up to heaven, and they were in, um, they were in Jerusalem waiting. We read in Acts chapter 2 that the Holy Spirit came down on the day of Pentecost, um, and uh, Peter, the, through the Holy Spirit, was able to stand up in Jerusalem, out on the street, preach God's word, preach the gospel, preach about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And the Bible says that thousands of people believed, were saved, and were baptized. Thousands of people believed and saved and were baptized, all because of the Holy Spirit speaking through Peter. And that's how the church began. Following Acts chapter 2, we see that people were meeting in homes, uh, families were meeting together, neighborhoods were meeting together. And then you read later on in the book of Acts how Paul planted churches all over all over um, that part of the world. So that's how the church started. We talked about two weeks ago how when the church started, they were devoted people. They were dedicated people. They were devoted to God's word. They were devoted to each other, and they were devoted to prayer. And you see that the church started in the book of Acts through prayer and devotion to God's word. Last week, we talked about where the church is today. Um, we read in the book of Revelation, uh, chapters 2 and 3, there are seven letters written in the book of Revelation to seven different churches in chapters 2 and 3. Those seven different churches there in Revelation 2 and 3, they represent the church today. Uh, um, God, told, uh, God told John in Revelation 1, verse 19, to write what you have seen to write what is now and to write about what is to come. And what, uh, what John did was Revelation chapter 1 is about what he had seen. Revelation 2 and 3 is about what is now. And Revelation 4 all the way to the end of the Bible is what is to come. So we see in Revelation chapter 2 and 3 the church today. There are seven different letters to seven different churches in uh, Revelation chapter 2 and 3. Last week... We talked about the first one to the, the letter to the church in Ephesus and how God saw their deeds. God knows what the church is doing. God knows all the good stuff that church done, did. God knows, all the, the, God knows the heart of the people in the church. God knows the mind of the people in the church. God knows that this church did not, um, did not accept the word from false prophets. They tested false prophets to see if they really knew God's word and were led by God's word. Um, but there was one thing that God held against that church, and that was that they lost their first love. Uh, we talked about last week how our first love is that passion, is that awe and wonder and excitement that we have when God, when we first understand that Jesus Christ died for me. That first time when we first accepted Christ, that first love that we have, when we first understood what happened to us, when we first understood what changed inside of us, and then over time, for different reasons, um, we, we have the tendency of losing that first love. We have a great picture of TJ 
when he was little, he was maybe one and a half or two or something, a great picture of TJ, the first time we took him to the beach. And we sat, Callie sat his, his feet down in the water, and like his face was like, like he was pumped up. He could not believe like he's sand and water and the first time he ever felt that. And I have seen that picture tons of times over the last seven years. And every time I see it, I think, man, I hope TJ always loves the beach that much. Like, I hope he loves putting his feet in the water that much when he's 25 as he did when he was two. Because daddy loves it too. And daddy goes to the beach at 40 and I still stand there like, like it's the best day in the world. I love it. That is how God's was speaking to the book, the church in Ephesus. You lost your first love. You got used to what I've done. You've got, it become common what we did. And we were encouraged last week through God's word um, to remember who God is. Remember what God had done for us. To repent if we had lost our first love. And to return to do the things that we'd done before when we had our first love. So that is where the church is at today. Now. Here's the good news. For the next few minutes, we're going to talk about where the church is going in the future. This is the best news ever. I think where the church started is really good news. I think where the church at today is kind of good news. Like the church is in kind of good shape because God is with us, but the church today has a lot of problems. Amen? Amen. Read Revelation 2 and 3 and read through those churches and you'll see what I'm talking about. But where the church is going in the future is the best news of a Christian's life. It's the best news you're going to hear today. It's the best news you're going to hear in your whole life if you're a believer in the Lord. And so that is what we're going to talk about today. So let's look at Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, and see what happens here when the church age is over. Oh, before we do that, let me show you this. Hit that timeline, Spencer. So this is a timeline of humanity. This is a timeline of how we started and how we're going to stop. You see there where it says present age on the far left, that is uh, where we're at today. Everything on this side of the TV screen was Jesus, right? You got Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Then you get to the present church age. That's you and I today. We are in the church age today. Following the church age, you see the rapture of the church, you see the seven years of tribulation, you see the return of Christ for his second coming, then you have the millennial reign of Christ, you have the final judgment, and then you have the new heaven and the new earth that comes down to us here um, that will be our eternal home. So that is kind of a basic timeline of where we're at. So right now, we are in this present church age in Revelations chapter 2 and 3. So let's look at Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, and see what happens next. John says this, After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven, and the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. Those first two words of that verse, after this. The last two words of that verse is after this. After what? Somebody talk to me. After what? John says, after this. Huh? Yes. So after this. The Greek word there is meta-tauta. Meta-tauta. Everybody say that. Meta? 
Tauta. That means the word made of tauter mean tauter. I sound country. I sound so country. Taters, French fried taters. Meta tauter. Did it again. Meta tauta means something that has a definite end and then something that has a definite beginning. So John says, when this ends, this will start. So the first ending is what? What's Revelation chapter 2 and 3 about, y'all? Y'all, listen, we got to take a pop quiz. (sighs) Revelation chapter 2 and 3 is about the current church age. It's about you and I here today. It's about us meeting as a church, as a body. It's about every church worldwide today meeting as a church and a body. So Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, John says, After this, after the church age, after this time that you and I are living in right now, that we're participating in right now, after this ends, y'all, we're not going to be here forever. Amen? We're not going to be meeting in this place at 614 Hoover Street for the ever and ever and ever and all of eternity. No, 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 no. John says, after the church age ends, something else has to come. And that, my friends, is what we're going to talk about today. How the church age ends and what is next. So, let's read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And we will see how the church age ends. First Thessalonians chapter 4, starting in verse 13, says this. This is Paul writing. He says, Brothers and sisters, uh, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Amen? And so we believe that God will bring Jesus, God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. When Paul says fallen asleep in him, he's talking about those who have died in Christ. Keep reading. Verse 15. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Everybody follow? Those who have fallen asleep in the Lord will precede us. Those who are still alive precede us where? Keep reading. Keep reading. Verse 16. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with a voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive And our left will be caught up together. Everybody say caught up. We'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. That, my friends, is how the church age ends. I've had a lot of people over the years ask me, what's the end of the world going to be like? Well, technically the world doesn't end. Technically, the world doesn't end. This world that we're living in, one day it'll be gone, but we have a new world coming. We have a new heaven and a new earth, the Bible tells us about, that one day will come down and we will be, that will be our eternal, eternal home. But for you and I, for believers in Christ, for followers of Jesus, 
for you and I that have been forgiven, have been set free, have been changed, for you and I, this world is not our home. We're not here forever. We look good while we're here. We do some good stuff. Some of us do more good than others, but this ain't forever. Paul says here in Thessalonians chapter 4, what's going to happen one day is the church age is going to end. How do you know the church age ends? Because all the believers will be taken from this place. And that's what we call the rapture. That's what we call the rapture of the church. And that's what we want to spend the next few minutes together today talking about is how you and I, believers, followers in Jesus, what's going to happen when God raptures his church? What's it going to look like? How's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? Who's it going to be? Over the next few minutes, I hope to answer four questions for you concerning the rapture. Now, a lot of people, there's a sect of believers, I guess you call them believers, I don't know if you call them believers or not, but there's a sect of people who believe in Jesus but don't believe in the rapture because nowhere in Scripture do you see the word rapture. Like, I get that, but you also don't see the word trinity in Scripture either, and I believe in the trinity, the triune God. You also don't see the word Bible in Scripture either, but I believe in the Bible. Amen? What you do see is the concept of the rapture. We get our word rapture from the Latin word raptus, raptus, which means to take away, to snatch away, or to be caught up. What was Paul's words in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4? Those of us who are still alive will be what? Will be caught up in the air with Jesus. So four quick questions I hope to answer and clear up some misconceptions about the rapture this morning. Number one, what is the rapture? What is the rapture. The rapture is simply what we just read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Jesus Christ himself will come in the air and take you and I, the believers, home with him. There are three things that we learn about, this, about the rapture here in this scripture. Number one, Jesus leaves heaven to come get you. How many of you know 2,000 years ago, Jesus left heaven to come be born for you? He left heaven and come to a manger through a virgin girl named Mary so that he could live for you. 2,000 years ago, Jesus left heaven to be born in a stable so that you can have a savior. 2,000 years ago, Jesus left heaven to come to this earth so that you could have a way to heaven. 2,000 years ago, Jesus left heaven and come to this place to live, to die, and to be resurrected for you. 2,000 years ago, Jesus left heaven and come to earth as a baby. I believe sooner than later, we're going to see 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 in real life, and we're going to see Jesus leave heaven again. But this time, he's not coming as a baby. He's not coming in a stable. He's not coming in a manger. Mary's not going to be anywhere in the picture. What you're going to see is Jesus Christ in the air as a full-grown man, as the Son of God, looking for you, coming to take you home. We find in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that Jesus is coming for you. Think of Jesus' words in John chapter 14. John chapter 14, Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Why? Because my father has a big house. 
My father has a house. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Not only am I going to prepare a place for you, but I'm coming to take you with me. Paul says, Jesus is coming. Jesus says, I'm coming. And one day, we will see 1 Thessalonians 4, we will see Jesus in the, in the sky, in the air. The second thing we learn from that scripture is that there's three calls of God. There's three sounds that we hear. We hear the trumpet sound of God, we hear the archangel, and we hear God's voice. Now, I don't know if these are three different sounds or if they all kind of blend in together. I don't know. I don't care. It don't matter to me. I just want to hear it when it happens. Amen? Anybody have any dogs? Got any dog lovers? I like, I like dogs. I got two dogs. Uh, I got one miniature Dotson. She uh, is not real miniature. Um, she's thicker than a miniature Dotson. And then I got one. It's supposed to be a chihuahua, but he's got floppy ears, and he weighs like 19 pounds. I bought him from a guy in the Walmart parking lot who told me, who assured me that he was full-blooded chihuahua. I said, buddy, you got some papers from like the vet to prove this? He said, no, but here's what I got. Y'all, he pulled out his cell phone. He said, I got a picture of his mama dog and daddy dog. I said, good enough for me. I'll take him. We brought the dog home. Smartest dog I've ever seen in my life. His name's Reggie. Great dog. He's white with some black spots. He's got floppy ears. Um, smartest dog I've ever had. Wonderful dog. We have little dogs in our house. A buddy that used to live up the street from us, his name is Josh, he had an English bulldog. You guys know what an English bulldog is? One of those big old fluffy rolls and their teeth kind of stick out here and they slobber everywhere and their face is kind of like just grounded out, right? That dog's name was Bruce. Bruce was a good dog, but Bruce was a crazy dog. Uh, Bruce weighed, shoot, close to like 100 pounds, I would guess. Uh, and Bruce liked to sit on your lap and he liked to slobber all over your shoes and all over your pants and all that kind of stuff. One day, um, I had to go into my buddy's house when he was not there. And Bruce was there. And I told my buddy, I said, hey, is Bruce there? I said, is he inside of like a kennel or something? He said, no. So he's probably back here in the bedroom. I had to go to his house to get a basketball for some guys we were playing ball with. Um, he said, listen, just go around the back, get the key, go, go in the house. It'd be fine. I said, Bruce is there? He said, yeah. I said, it'd be fine. So I man up. <laughs> After some encouraging words to myself, I said, I'm going to go get this ball. So I go around the back of my man's house, got his key on the light back there, I unlock the door. I like legit like open the door and kind of peek my head in, looking for Bruce, nowhere to be found. I thought, sweet. If Bruce is asleep, he'll never know I'm here. I can sneak right in, get the ball, head out, lock the door. Bruce won't know nothing. So I got three steps inside the house. So you walk in his back door, kitchen area here, living room there, hallway there. I got as far as from me to Mark from the hallway, and all I hear is this. <laughs> and I hear like big old footsteps. <laughs> and I look, and it's Bruce. You ever have these times in your life where like a thousand thoughts run through your head in like half a second? This was one of them, right? I thought, do I need to run? Is he going to attack me? 
Do I have 911 on call? Can I take a dog bite from an English bulldog? Can I grab him in midair and just set him down? Can I choke slam him like the undertaker on wrestling when he jumps up at me? What can I do? And then it hit me. I know Bruce, right? I know Bruce. Bruce has known me before. So if I act like I know Bruce, Bruce will think he knows me. So you know what I start doing? Hey, Bruce, 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 it's Jern, it's Michael. Hey, Bruce, Bruce, settle down. Bruce, Bruce, Bruce. I thought the more I say his name, the more he's going to think I know him. I have found this to be to work working with people as well that you can't really decide if you know them or not, but you think you may. It only works so if you have the right name, right? Like I can't come over here and say, Jim, hey, Jim, nice to see you, Jim. His name's Mark, okay? Like that ain't going to work. But I had Bruce's name. So I just started saying Bruce, 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 Bruce. Guess what this big old English bulldog did? He come running up to me. No lie. He flops over on his belly, on his back. I was the biggest relief of my life. I rubbed his belly. You know, you cannot not rub a dog's belly when they're laying on their back. Right? Right. Bruce knew me. Now, I don't know whether he really knew me or not. Or whether I faked him out because I knew him, he thought he knew me. You may be thinking, what in the world's the point? Here's the point. When the voice of God, when the trumpet of God, when the sound of the archangel, when it happens, we may not know what it's going to sound like. But what we do know is this. Us as believers, we'll know what it is. We'll know the sound of God because we're God's people. We'll know God's voice because we're God's people. We'll know it's time that God's calling us home, that God's coming to get us, that God's coming to take us to heaven. He's got our room ready. He's got the house ready. We'll know that time has happened because we are God's people. Believers don't have to worry about missing the rapture because you will know it happens. You will know it's here because you are God's people and you know his voice. Much like my main man, Bruce, thankfully, knew my voice that day. We see in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that Jesus is going to come in the air, that there's going to be a call of the archangel and of God's voice. And we see number three, we see number three, that the order of resurrection, the order of resurrection. Paul says that the dead in Christ will rise first. That, my friends, is good news. How many of you have loved ones that have already passed? You ever, anybody ever tell you that you're going to see them again? This is when it happens. This is when it happens. Your loved one, you may have put in a casket, may have lowered that casket into a ground. According to Paul, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the dead in Christ will rise from the dead. I don't know how this happens. This is only a thing that God can do. God made you and I the first time. Uh, uh, Psalm 139 says he formed us together in our mother's womb. God can make us the second time. God can take a body that has been dead for years and years and years, a decomposed body, and put it back together. And his, the spirit that's in heaven, the body that's in the ground, will meet each other. And then that dead person, that one time was dead, 
that we laid to rest, that we mourned over and cried over, we will see them again. Following the dead being raised for Christ, Paul says that those that are still alive, it may be you and I, we don't know, but those that are still alive will meet the dead in Christ in the air, will meet Jesus in the air, and be taken to heaven. I don't know if you need any more good news today or not. You're not going to hear any better news than that. When you have a loved one that passes and we tell you that you will see them again, we mean it. You will see them again. When you have a loved one that passes and we tell you that they are more alive now in their spirit in heaven than they are here, than you and I are here, we mean it. They are more alive now in heaven. And one day that spirit will meet that body, will come back together again, and you and I will meet them, and we will come back together again and be with Jesus in heaven. The rapture can sound like a fearful event, but nothing can be further from the truth. The rapture is the best day ever. Amen? So that's what is the rapture. Now you may be thinking, well, when's this thing going to happen? I got some deep theological words for you. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Neither do you. Neither does anybody else that may say they know when it's going to happen. These Mayans a few years ago, I think it was 2012, they said the world was going to end in December, the 1st of December in 2012. You guys remember that? I was extremely late on my Christmas shopping that year because I thought they were right. But they were not. And then all of a sudden, I didn't have any Christmas presents, and it was December 20th. So I had to hit the stores. The truth is, nobody has a clue when the rapture is. The word does not tell. There is no heads up given. There is nothing that needs to be fulfilled before the rapture is going to happen. The rapture could have happened a thousand years ago, but didn't. The rapture could have happened a hundred years ago, but didn't. You read through the scriptures, you see Paul and other writers believed wholeheartedly that the rapture would happen in their lifetime, but it didn't. The rapture could have happened last year, but it didn't. The rapture could have happened yesterday, but it didn't. It could have happened right then, but it didn't. So when's it going to happen? We don't know. But what we do know is this. We want to be ready when it happens. Amen? There's a reason why it hasn't happened yet. You know what the reason is? What? Not the right time. Peter says this in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. Look at this. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Why hasn't the rapture happened yet? Not the right time. And God is patiently waiting on you. How good is God? Thank you. <laughs> How good is God that Jesus himself, the son of God, would say, I'm going to heaven to prepare a place for you. 
Not only am I going to prepare it, I'm going to come back and get you and take you there. Not only am I going to prepare a place and come back and get you to take you there, I'm giving you time to believe. I'm giving you time to get your junk together, to get your life together, to trust in the Lord, to put your faith in me so that you can be one of those that I come and get. How good is God that he is patiently waiting on us? Lord knows, I don't want to speak for you, I'll speak for me. I need all the patience from God in heaven I can get. How about you? Because sometimes I'm a little slow. Sometimes I don't listen as well as I should. Sometimes I don't think what I should be thinking. Sometimes I go where I shouldn't go. Sometimes I do what I shouldn't do. Sometimes I say what I shouldn't say. God is saying, I love you. I'm waiting on you. I love you. I died for you. I sent my son Jesus for you. I'm waiting on you. I'm here. I'm waiting. The rapture hasn't happened yet. You still got time. You don't know when that time's going to end. So let's get it together. Listen to my voice. The word says that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. If God is calling you to repentance today, repent today. There may not be a tomorrow. There may not be a tonight. There may not be a next Sunday. The word says that today is the day of salvation. Y'all, listen to me. If God is calling you to repentance, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The rapture could have happened any time in human history, but it hasn't happened yet. But when it does, we're going to know it, and we want to be ready. Amen. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul compares the rapture to a thief in the night. Are you ready when someone breaks in your house in the middle of the night? No, you're asleep. Paul is telling us, don't be asleep. Be ready. It's, gonna, it's coming. It's going to happen. Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place. I'm coming back to take you with me. Be ready. What is the rapture? When's it going to happen? We don't know, but we want to be ready. And number three, why is there a rapture? Why is there a rapture? Two reasons. Number one, for reunion. The rapture is going to be the biggest family reunion in the history of life. Who's being reunited? You and your loved one, like we just spoke about. You and your husband or your wife that has passed on, your mom or dad that has passed on, your son or daughter that has passed on, your grandma or grandpa that has passed on. There's going to be a family reunion in the air. There's also going to be a reunion with you and Jesus. Think back to Genesis chapter 3. Yes, chapter 3. When God come down to earth before the fall, before sin entered into the world, the word says that God came down and hung out with Adam and Eve, walked with Adam and Eve, lived with Adam and Eve. They were not created for sin. You and I today, we were not created for sin. We were not created to be separated from God. We were created to live in communion, in friendship, in relationship with God. And at the rapture, that communion, that friendship, because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, because of what it does to our heart and our soul, and it removes sin and forgiveness in our life, that friendship, that relationship, that reunion will be made whole when we are with Jesus in heaven 
forever exactly where we are meant to be. Why, is the, why does the rapture happen? So we can have a reunion. Second reason the rapture happens is for relief. For relief. How many of you are really hoping that this ain't the best there is? <laughs> like Ashburn's cool and all. We have a cookout with sweet tea. We have a Bojangles. Like it's, we have chilies. Like it's, it's cool. In Denton, we have a Bojangles. That's about it. It's good. It's really good. But this ain't it. There's more to it than this. How many of you know it gets tough down here? How many of you know it's hard down here? How many of you know what heartbreak feels like? How many of you know what fear and worry and anxiety feels like? How many of you know what stress feels like? How many of you know what brokenness, what pain, what struggle, and what uh, pain feels like? The rapture is the relief of all of that. Amen? The rapture is the relief. Why are we getting raptured? So we could be with Jesus, so we can be with our loved ones, and so we can leave sin behind. We can leave heartache behind. We can leave brokenness behind. We can leave everything that causes us trouble and pain in here because we will be in the place where there are no more tears, where there is no more pain, where there is no more sin, a place where our glorified bodies cannot be touched, cannot be hurt, There'll be no more broken bones. You'll have a good elbow. I'll have a fixed back. Our bodies will be glorified and perfect because we are with Jesus in heaven forever. Why will we be raptured? For a reunion and for relief. And finally, question number four. What time is it? Oh, yeah. Got to go quick. Question number four. Who will be raptured? Jesus tells a parable in Luke chapter 17. Jesus says there'll be two people, a husband and a wife, sleeping in the bed together. One of them will be taken. One will be left behind. Jesus says there'll be two ladies working. One of them will be taken. One of them will be left behind. Sadly today, the rapture is not for everybody. It's terrible news, ain't it? <laughs> terrible news. Sadly, Jesus says there'll be people. Paul says there'll be people who will not be raptured, who will be left here. There'll be people who miss out on the reunion. There'll be people who miss out on the relief. So my question for you this morning is the most important question you're going to answer all day long. It's the most important question you're going to answer for the rest of your life. Which one are you going to be? Robert Stover told me a couple weeks ago he's going. I'm going with you. Let me tell you quickly how to go, because I want to meet you in the air as well. 
I want to meet your loved ones that have already passed on. I want to meet them in the air as well. And I want to be standing arm in arm with my main man, William, when we get to Jesus. The word says, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4, those who have died in Christ will be resurrected first. So those who are alive, what? In Christ will be taken second. The only way to heaven, y'all, is through the life, death, resurrection, faith in Jesus Christ. One day, God the Father will look at you. You will give an account for everything that you have ever done in your life. Every thought, every decision, everything you've ever done, you will give an account. All the bad stuff, all the good stuff, all that stuff you don't want anybody to know about, you will give an account. It will be shown right there in front of God Almighty. And for those that are in Christ, Jesus will stand up and say, Dad, I'm with him. He's with me. My blood forgave him. My death forgave him. My crucifixion forgave him. And then God the Father will look at you and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come on in. The only way to heaven is through faith in Jesus. There had to be a price for your sin. There had to be a price paid for your sin, for the bad things, for the terrible things, for wandering away, from leaving, for forgetting about God, for the sin in all of our lives, which we all have, which we've all inherited through Adam and Eve thousands of years ago. We're born as sinners into a sinful world. The price for that sin, the price to enter into heaven was blood. But my blood and your blood is not good enough because we're sinners. It took only, only the sinless blood of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. He paid that price for you, not because you're worth it, not because you deserve it, not because you can earn it, but because he loves you. He loves you and he wants you in heaven with him forever so the good news is he made a way for you to get there when we couldn't get there on our own he made a way for you so I want to encourage you today if you've never placed your faith in Jesus if God is calling you to repentance repent today. Seek the Lord for forgiveness today. Jeremiah says, if you, God says in Jeremiah, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. The answer is found in seeking him. He's not hiding. He's not peeking around the corner like I was with my man, Bruce. He's there. He's waiting on you. He's patiently saying, come here. I love you. I died for you. I love you. I accept you. I got a place for you. I love you. I'll forgive you. Do you believe? You put your faith in me. I love you. I'm waiting on you. I'm here. Come on. I love you. 
I'm waiting on you. Come here. Come on. Believe in me. Trust in me. I love you. That's how we get to heaven. It's by putting our faith, our trust, our hope, and forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's stand together. The rapture, my friends, is not a scary event. It's the best day in the history of life. It's the best day of our life because it's the day that we get to be with Jesus. It's the day that our faith becomes our sight. It's the day that everything we read about in Scripture becomes what we actually see and get to live out. The rapture is the greatest event in the future world, in the past world, anything, it is the best for those that are in Christ. Can I encourage you today, if you've never trusted in Jesus, if you've never put your faith in Jesus for forgiveness, if God is calling you to repentance today, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Amen.